partnering with somebody that's doing what what it is you want to be doing and shadowing them along the way. Or you can try and see if you can add value in one way, but then say, you know what, I don't have money right now, but I'd love to just kind of, what was the deal that you did? Could you walk me through it? Something along those lines. That could be a way for you to learn if you wanted to be on the active side. On the passive side, buying a performing mortgage is as passive as it gets. You know, all things considered, in the ideal situation, they're continuing to pay their principal and interest. You have no maintenance you have to worry about. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Kevin Galang. Today, we are talking about note investing. His website is notenuggets.com, his podcast, Note Nuggets Podcast. If you want to invest in real estate directly without tenants, toilets, and termites, and without those headaches, become the bank. Consider becoming the bank by investing in mortgage notes. We've talked about these on the show before. Today, we get into Kevin's specific case of how he invests in notes, how he got involved in note investing, how he finances and funds his note investing strategy. So we're digging all into that today. Like I said, if you want a strategy to invest in real estate without dealing with tenants, toilets, and termites, then note investing is really one of the top options. There are many others syndication. So we have other people deal with the tenants, right? But notes are one of those top ones that just most people don't know about from the outside, need to learn about and consider adding to your own passive wealth generation strategy. If you're new to the show and you do enjoy it, I ask you to take a quick second, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll catch every new episode of this show and get all these passive wealth generation, getting your wealth away from Wall Street strategies straight to your phone every Monday, Thursday. If you do enjoy the show and you're an Apple Podcast user, and you're looking for a way to say thank you, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, give us a rating interview, five stars if you don't mind. That helps other people learn about the show. It helps us rank higher in Apple's algorithm, however they you know rank their podcast. Helps other people learn about the show and it helps me feel great because I get to read all the nice, kind comments you guys have there on this, the page. So much appreciated all around. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Like I said, I'm not a known investor. Learned about, about them some time ago. They are. It is a strategy that I certainly uh, hold in high regard, if you will. I think it's, it's great and not enough people know about investing. So without further ado, here we go with Kevin Galang talking about note investing. Go to notenuggets.com slash podcast to learn more after you're done with this interview. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Taylor. I'm really excited to be here. Hey, it's great to talk with you. I think we're having a great conversation about note investing, which I don't do personally, but I think is a, a great strategy for folks out there who are looking to make some mailbox money through real estate investing. Can you give us an introduction to uh, yourself, what you do, your note investing business and all that great stuff? And we'll dive into it. Sure. So note investing isn't really my full-time thing yet. I am in a nine to five. I have W2. I'm in software sales. That's what I do in the daytime. And then I squeeze in the note investing stuff in the morning and in the night. So I'm kind of just working all the time, but it's fine. I, I enjoy that. But, and that's what you it's have to do to Exactly. You got to do that kind of stuff now so that you can rest later. I don't plan to work for the rest of my life. And I know that real estate note investing is going to help me stop that. Yeah, absolutely. And where are you based and where do you invest in notes? Yeah, I am based in Tampa, Florida right now. The notes that I have are in a couple of places. 
couple in Florida and a couple in Missouri. Nice. Nice. And why did you decide to get into note investing? I mean, there are so many options in the real estate space. You know, once you kind of dive in, you see everything that's out there. It's hard to pick. You know, I could go burr, I could go flip, I could buy single family rentals. There's this thing called notes. There's this thing called syndication. How do you decide? Why did you go for notes? So I did all of that. I, I went, it took me, I would say a year and a half, two years to kind of decide on note investing. I followed the shiny object left and right <laughs> when I first started. And that's normal to do, right? You hear about it on bigger pockets. You hear this cool investor doing this cool thing. You're like, holy crap, I can make money doing that. I can do this. I can do that. And you dive a little bit more research, right? I looked at house hacking. I looked at multifamily. I looked at mobile home parks. And when I say I looked at it, I probably spent a good three months or so researching and then something else sounded more interesting. Those just didn't really call to me, if you will. And then I heard a podcast on Bigger Pockets with Dave Van Horn, who's a note investor, and he was talking about notes. And when I heard it, I heard about the idea of being a real estate investor without owning anything. And I don't know if it was the tagline or what, but the idea of being <laughs> the bank, that just got me. I was like, whoa, hold on. You can own the debt, but you don't have to own the property. And then he was talking about some of the benefits and not having to worry about maintenance, right? If, if you have a leaky roof, you're not calling the bank and saying, Hey, Wells Fargo, can you help me fix my roof? <laughs> Why are you calling us? Right? <laughs> they don't care. And that was appealing to me. Maybe it's because I can't really do anything with my hands. It's more, I'm more of a mental guy. I can't swing a hammer to save my life, but analyzing numbers and networking and stuff, that's what I'm good at. So notes just sounded really cool to, from the get-go. And when I found that I was interested in it, I just took a deep dive into it. What can I learn? Who can I learn from? And I think there's a component there to think about is when you're deciding what type of niche you want to be an investor in, look at some stuff for a little bit. You know, just because you spend a few months on it doesn't mean you have to stay committed to it. Learn what else is out there. Talk to people that are doing what it is you think you want to do. Ask them what the day to day is like. Ask them from their perspective what they like about it, what they don't like about it. And then think about what really interests you. If you are more of a, a person that loves to see things come to fruition, Maybe flipping houses is for you, or maybe it is value-add multifamily investing. That, I think, is important to really think about what you enjoy because you'll burn yourself out really quickly doing a job and doing trying to do real estate when you don't really like what you're doing in real estate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And note investing is one of those things where, you know, especially as you're first getting into real estate, you're going to hear all the stories from everybody that you know about how their brother-in-law's uncle's nephew you know, was their tenant or owned a, owned a rental house and complete, you know, the one tenant destroyed it and they were just completely financially ruined. Whereas, uh, you know, note investing kind of takes you one step back from that, puts you in a lean position, you have a servicer. So it's got a lot of uh, great features in there that, that I think make it superior to investing in, in single families and, and other things. But, you know, to dive a little bit deeper into your note investing strategy, there are a lot of options in notes in terms of lean position, whether they're performing or non-performing, that I hear a lot of new note investors ask, how do I decide, you know, which one I'm going to go after? Can you give us like a, an overview of the different positions and all that great stuff? And then which one you go for in your note investments? Yeah. So note investing as a whole is so fascinating because it's a common thing that people don't realize that they're doing, right? When you think about mortgages, that's note investing right there. And then you tell people that it's like, oh, now I understand that you can be the person that that homeowner is paying. That's a first position, right? That's what I primarily do. But then you have second position. So somebody takes out equity 
or they collateralize their home with a second mortgage. People buy those mortgages too. And then you can get into third position mortgages, which I have no idea. The reason I do first position mortgages is because I like to be protected by the property. I'm more risk averse like that. And even within first position mortgages, you could be a hard money lender and be in first position, technically speaking, right? But for me, I don't like the idea of hard money lending because now I'm banking on the fact that not only is the borrower going to have to pay, but they're going to successfully flip their home. For me, that's now you're talking about two different variables where it could go wrong. Whereas if it's the first position residential mortgage, I'm only banking on the borrower going to continue to pay. Is that a guarantee? Absolutely not. If anything, 2020 has showed us that a lot more uh, jobs and a lot more industries are more susceptible to just crazy economic shifts, things that we, things could just happen, right? That being said, what I typically try to do is make sure that there's enough equity in the property so that, you know, I'll, first of all, we'll try to work with the borrower, but if we can't, then you can exit through the property through a foreclosure, pay the uh, cash for keys is what they call it, paying the borrower where they, uh, you give them some money, they hand over the deed, everybody walks away, you don't have to go through the courts. So when I look at the first position mortgages, I want to make sure that there's enough equity in the property because the worst case scenario is I become a landlord and own that property. So that's why I focus on first position is because I want to make sure that I am protected. And then with, with first position, you can also originate new notes. That's something that tons of people do. There are people out there, some note inve or investors in general, right? There are people, there's a whole subset of investors that never set foot in a bank, right? That's just their mentality. They know that private money exists. They will be happy to take a loan from an investor instead of taking it from the bank, even if they can get hypothetically a better mortgage or better interest rate from a bank. So it's really fascinating the creativity you can get with notes. Yeah, there are so many, so many options, right? And again, if I'm going back, put myself in the shoes of somebody out there who, okay, I want to invest in notes and and getting started, you know, like with any real estate strategy, right? Your two, two primarily primary ingredients are deals and money, right? right? So a source of deals or deal flow and a source of money to buy those deals. And, you know, I'd like to learn more about what you did on both of those. We could start with deals. We can start with money. Your call on uh, financing that investment strategy. So we can start with uh, the monies and the deals are kind of, for me, that's how it, it all kind of worked uh, worked itself out because I had a 401k with a company I was working for, you know, big corporation. And when I left that company for another job, that job paid me a higher salary, which is why I kind of took it, right? You kind of just want the higher salary. But what I didn't realize or I didn't really think about is the 401k, what happens to my 401k when I leave that company? Well, the new company that I was with at the time didn't have a 401k. So when I call Fidelity, who was my 401k custodian at the time, I said, hey, I want to use this money to do something with it. I wanted to use it to house hack. I wanted to use it as a down payment. They were like, man, you can't do that because you're no longer an employee of this previous corporation. And that kind of threw me by surprise because I thought, you know, th this is my money, right? This is the money I put into the 401k. I should be able to do whatever I want with it, but you can't really. So they told me I can't contribute to it anymore because I'm no longer, you know, an employee of that. I'm not on payroll. I can't take it out as a loan. The only two things I could do were roll it over into another 401k or an IRA or withdraw it. But if I withdraw, I don't know if you could tell I'm not 59 and a half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have incurred that, I think, was it 10% penalty or something? And luckily, it was a raw, so it would have been tax-free. But in any case, I was limited with what I wanted to do. So I said, okay, what else can I do? And 
serendipitously, while I was trying to figure all this out, I had learned about self-directed IRAs. And for those of you who aren't familiar with self-directed IRAs, I, I, is your, are your listeners familiar with that or your breakdown? I, or? I can't speak for them. We've talked about them on the show before, but you know, go ahead and uh, tell us your uh, strategy with your self-directed IRA. Fantastic. So the reason I selected a self-directed IRA as opposed to the 401k, the 401k, I could only invest in whatever funds they were giving me. I could only select that. You can't select, oh, I'm going to buy Tesla stock unless that custodian offers it with their 401k. It was like target date funds, some bonds or whatever, some ETFs in there. But with the self-directed IRA, there's really only two things you can't invest in, which is collectibles. So like baseball cards, I think. I don't, I'm pretty certain you couldn't buy baseball cards with your self-directed IRA. And then life insurance policies. But everything else in that is fair game. So we're talking real estate. We're talking notes. I've heard of people originating notes that's secured by cattle and livestock. <laughs> it, it, it blows my mind the things you can do. So I took that money in the 401k and said, forget that. I want to put it in a self-directed IRA. And at that same time, I was learning about notes, trying to figure some things out. Well, I was able to originate three notes in my self-directed IRA to some investors, 8% interest. I was completely happy with that, better than what I was getting in the 401k. And I'm secured by assets that if I took it back, I, I know that I would make a profit. And it just made sense to take the knowledge that I had and almost like a, an experiment using my own money, right? Now I know how to create the deal. Now I know what to look for. If I wanted to originate a new note, I have to really analyze the borrower. What's the likelihood they're going to pay? And if I'm not as confident that they're going to pay, how strong is the collateral that I would be taking back? You know, if, the, if I'm protected by hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity, I want my borrower to pay and I want them to succeed. But if they didn't, I'd be more than happy to take that asset off of their hands to protect myself and make a profit. So I wanted to stick with a strategy that I knew. So it helped me learn more about note investing. I could walk somebody through how to originate a note. And at the same time, it was something I was comfortable with. One thing I'll tell you is never invest anything you don't know. And there's so many things happening, like the whole GameStop thing, Bitcoin's <laughs> going through the roof, right? There's just so many things and we're being bombarded with so much information, whether it's on the news or whether it's through social media, how do you keep up? I, my advice is just, if you're going to pick one of those things, learn as much as you can before you pull the trigger. And that's why I was comfortable originating these notes in my self-directed IRA because I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, uh, I'm definitely a big advocate for education, self-education, formal education, whatever it takes to get familiar and understand the, the deal strategy you're getting into. Now, so you found the money through uh, retirement accounts, specifically self-directed IRA. Where did you find the deals? Yeah. So the deals is through networking. I was thinking of investors. Uh, I was going to like meetups and webinars and just networking, talking to people, building relationships, letting them know, hey, this is the, what I have in my self-directed IRA. I'm a note investor. If you have any deals, let me know. And it turns out the networking and the relationship building turned out into, hey, I have deals where I need some money. You can secure me with some real estate. I'm more than happy to do that. And I said, all right, yeah, let's secure the loans through collateral. And one of them is not even a, it's not even a real estate loan. Technically, it's like a business loan. I issued a loan that's secured by two work trucks. Hmm. So it was a $15,000 loan, 8% interest, and it's two work trucks. And I wasn't comfortable with just one because as we know, a vehicle is a depreciating asset. So I said, let's do two. And that's completely fine with me. What I learned through the, that experience is the, the self-directed IRA custodian told me, you can't ever drive the trucks if you ever take them back because then you could lose that investment. Of course. So just yeah. know that if, if you had to take, if you had to repo those trucks, 
have somebody else drive it to, you know, somewhere to store it. Cause I can't even store it in my garage kind of thing is what I was told because it's through the self-directed IRA. But yeah, you can get, that's what I'm saying. You can get creative with it. And there are people that will loan money out. That's unsecured. You may get a double digit return, but for me, that's too risky because that person could just walk away and say, <laughs> oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Protecting your downside and, and minimizing, you know, the risk of loss is always very important. And we're in real estate generally because we like our investment to be secured by something that right. actually exists. So it's interesting you were able to put deals together through networking. Was that at like local meetups or more national events? Or what are your some of your strategies behind building your network to improve your deal flow? I was going to a local self-directed IRA custodian meetup, that type of thing. And what I like about those meetups is you have a, a very good mix of investors and then people with money. Because those people with money, first of all, if you, if you know about a self-directed IRA, chances are you are the type of individual that's looking to grow your money because you're learning outside of what's marketed. The 401, I, I was kind of frustrated when I had first learned about a self-directed IRA. Because it's like, why doesn't anybody tell you this? All you ever hear about is 401k or some other you know, financial advisors or whatever, not to bash on them, but you don't hear about self-directed IRAs until you are actively looking for it or someone in your network tells you about it. So I went to those meetups. And like I said, you have people with, with money that's saying, hey, it's just sitting here. I want to make a deal happen. And then you have other investors say, I have deals coming. I'd be happy to partner up. And I was at that point in time, the person with money wanting to create a deal. So go to the meetups. And if you do things virtually, look at the attendees, take the names of those attendees down, send them a message. If they're attending that, I can guarantee you they're willing to network with these people. And because people are doing things virtually, uh, and maybe people may not be comfortable going to an in-person meetup, they're looking to connect with people. They're looking to chat, right? They're looking to socialize as much as they can. So reach out to them, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's a direct email, because I know custodians generally won't share the, the people's information, but they're just kind of facilitating the meeting. It will be on you to take the initiative to say, hey, Joe Smith, or hey, Taylor, I'd love to just kind of pick your brain, see where you're at, see how we can help each other. That's what I always like to say. Hey, how can I help you with what you're doing? Because then that's like, oh, let me tell you what I'm doing and we can kind of figure out. And that's not always a guarantee that you'll be able to find a middle ground, but that's always my approach is how can I add value to you? Yeah, the most that's like the most effective way to get started and find if there's something down the road where you can be mutually beneficial. I think one of the things that, well, I'll speak from my own experience. When I was first, you know, getting started as a real estate investor, I learned about notes fairly early on. I thought that's really cool. But one of the things that kind of I guess kept kept me out of it was how big some of the check sizes got when you're making an investment, right? You're probably not leveraging. If you're using a, a self-directed IRA, it's probably just like the the money in your account investing. Right. And a lot of the deals that I saw were, you know, starting at a few, you know, hundred thousand dollars, which you know, especially at the time. I mean, I didn't have that in a self-directed right. IRA, and I didn't have the confidence to take that, you know, perceived risk. What are your thoughts about that? You know, finding the money, is it, you know, a, a rich man's game? You mentioned the the loan that's uh, secured by two work trucks, which is not a large one, but on the whole, it seems like notes tend to be a, a higher dollar figure type of investment. Yes or no? That is, yeah, I would say that that is a uh, disadvantage if you're looking to use your own money. I haven't heard of being able to finance it similar to what you would 
do with the mortgage, right? You put in X down and you get financing. I haven't heard that. And that's probably a disadvantage to note investing as an active investor. I would say that it, when it comes to buying notes, you can find notes at, at any number of, of price ranges. That's like I was saying, in the, if you go to the self-directed IRA meetups, you can find somebody that could need $10,000 for a note that you can, I'm sure, create a deal. You can get creative with it as the lender. If they need the money, you can kind of set the terms, right? Maybe they're not willing to collateralize with this, but they can collateralize with you know two things as opposed to just one to protect yourself. You can get creative, ask those questions as to what they're looking to do with that money, maybe ask what other things that they own. But as far as answering your question, it does take some money. But there are notes out there where I've done deals where the note we bought was around the same price as that $15,000, so like $16,000. There are notes out there that the sweet spot may be around fifty to 100000 And that is a lot, nice chunk of change, right? That's just what it is, unfortunately. I don't have any advice for kind of navigating through that. If you are looking to get active as a note investor, I can tell you that there's people out there that are looking to diversify, they have money in a self-directed IRA and don't know what to do with it. So if there's money out there. You just kind of have to be willing to put yourself out there, let people know what you're doing. And some people are intrigued by the idea of notes. They're just not sure. And you could be that person to help kind of guide them through the process and kind of make some money along the way doing it. Yeah, I think that's really... Well, I can, again, I can only speak for myself, but that was one of the things that kind of freaked me out. It's, it's weird now because I, I buy like apartment complexes, which are a lot more expensive, but I, yeah, right. especially at the beginning, could partner with folks who had you know more experience than I did. And it's it was a less of a perceived risk that, hey, it's still a fairly large check, but I'm also partnering with people who have you know done this before. Whereas as a new note investor, theoretically, it felt like I would be kind of all out on my own. Uh, figuring it out. And that, that freaked me out a little bit. I like partnering with others who know more than I do. I mean, it's just a preference, I guess. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. And that is something you could do, right? Partnering with somebody that's doing what, what it is you want to be doing and shadowing them along the way. Or you can try and see if you can add value in one way, but then say, you know what, I don't have money right now, but I'd love to just kind of, what was the deal that you did? Could you walk me through it? Something along those lines. That could be a way for you to learn if you wanted to be on the active side. On the passive side, buying a performing mortgage is as passive as it gets. You know, All things considered, the ideal situation, they're continuing to pay their principal and interest. You have no maintenance you have to worry about. The tenant turnover, it's less likely that they're just going to pick up their bag and leave if, they're, if they've been paying and they've built up that equity. So there's that comfort there. You really just collect that mailbox money with a performing mortgage. Nice. I like that. We're going to have to grab that audio and make it into a snippet somewhere. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Kevin, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I would say those three notes that I did in my self-directed IRA, because I think the first deals are always the hardest because there's a lot of, maybe it was just for me, but there's that, that self-doubt where you're like, I don't know if I can really do this, right? And if you're thinking about using other people's money, I, I don't know about other people. <laughs> I can only speak for myself. I'm more cautious with other people's money than I am with my own. I'm like, oh yeah, we could do that. And I I'm sure I can make that money back. But if somebody else is hard-earned money, I am extra, extra conservative. I don't take any unnecessary risks. Uh, even if if the investor is looking to take that risk, I'll push back and say, are you sure you want to take that risk, right? Because I don't want to be held accountable for a risk that you you out of my comfort zone. But those three notes, because it really pushed me over the edge, allowed me to kind of build that momentum and give me that confidence. 
Yeah, nice. By the time you've done three, especially, you've been through the process before. That that first time, no matter what it is, you don't really have that level of comfort that you know what the next step is or the next two steps because you haven't done it before. And once you get do it a couple of times, you have a pretty good idea of what the next thing you need to do and you have a roadmap. So that that certainly makes a lot of sense. We have the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment, the other side of that coin. What is the worst investment you ever made? So luckily, maybe it's because I'm still relatively new to the space. I haven't had too many really bad deals, well, worst investments. But there's a deal that I kind of stepped into the role. Uh, another investor was kind of exiting, just kind of closing up their own shop. And the, the financial partner she had was a friend of mine, another somebody in my network. So I said, you know what? Let me take control of this deal for you. I'd be more than happy to if you want me to help out. I didn't do any due diligence. Like, hey, tell me about the deal. I kind of just stepped in. But as of now, it's kind of a nightmare because I always want to work with the borrower. But the borrower is just kind of ghosting us. Everything, every t- throwing everything at them, people knocking at the door, having the attorneys send letters, attorneys calling, nothing. And then on top of that, there's several thousand dollars of, of like sewer liens that I just didn't know until I kind of stepped into the deal. So that would probably be the, the one that I would say is the worst right now for me, but it's also the one I know I'm going to learn the most out of. How to navigate through this muddy water, what's going to scare me next is how I see it. Nice. So with all of the um the hair on the deal, is it are you expecting it's gonna wind out, you know, in the black or are you gonna, you know, lose money, make money, or make money, just have a hard time doing it? What's your expectation? I think it's the last one you said where you make money, but it's gonna be a hard time doing it. I'm gonna have to put <laughs> some extra sweat into this, but I think it'll be a good I think it could work out. All right. That's not that's not the worst thing ever. <laughs> My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The most important lesson that I would say that I've learned is who can you find the information from? And what I mean by that is the the network is your net worth. People like that is cliche, but it's 100% true. And the reason I say that is somebody chances are has done whatever deal you're trying to do. Somebody has done what it is that you want to do. And you can ask those people those questions. And there are people out there that will give you this information for free. I'm not guaranteeing that. But when you have those people in your network, and even if you have to pay for a mentor, know that when you take action, you have the guidance of somebody else. That should be almost like a safety net where if you're confused, if you're lost, if you're not sure, ask that person. You don't do this alone is what I'm recognizing. Nobody does it alone. And that's okay, right? Somebody has a coach. Somebody has some type of a mentor, some type of a, a book that they've read about it, right? That going at it alone is possible, but you're going to make your life so much harder by trying to do everything yourself. So I would say find a network, build that network of trusted individuals and lean on it as much as it makes sense to. Nice. I love that. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us today. Like I said, I think notes are an awesome strategy that more people need to learn about and and get into, especially if you don't want to manage tenants, toilets, and termites, then notes are one of the, the great options out there. If folks want to reach out, they want to get in touch with you, they want to find you on the internet, they want to find your podcast, whatever, where can they find you? If you want to learn about note investing, go to notenuggets.com forward slash podcast. That's where I break down the note investing niche into one little nugget of knowledge at a time. So each episode you listen to will be, oh, I learned one new thing about how to be a note investor. That's notenuggets.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to connect with me, shoot me an email, kevin at notenuggets.com. Nice. That is a awesome setup for a podcast. And 
right tailored to to a fantastic niche. So uh, I applaud your your product development there, if you will. <laughs> you're you're niching down, so that's great. Well, to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. It helps us rank higher on Apple's algorithm and all that great stuff. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them to the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you all.